mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Community Foundation's Fun for All series of free events has taken on a life of its own, with nothing less than a dozen more events on the schedule before the end of the year. We'll learn more. Also this morning, to your health, about 100,000 people in the U.S. have sickle cell disease, and many don't even know it. We'll tell you why they should and what to do to manage it. Coach's Corner host John Marshall has a preview of week number eight of area high school football, and we have a collection of easy Italian recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, October 6th, 2023. You might remember, was it yesterday? I can't even remember. Um, was it yesterday or the day before we had the uh, story about the number of people who believe that they have experienced some sort of paranormal activity on their home security cameras, their ring doorbells? What was that? It was a, uh, it was a story. Anyway, a couple of uh, days ago, I don't remember all of the uh, details on that, but I thought this was kind of interesting, and maybe this is a follow-up to that story. Ring cameras, um, the the story said, maybe capturing capturing, uh, alien activity. Uh, If you've ever had a ring video, if you've ever gone back, you had an alert, and you've gone back and looked at your video and seen something that you can't explain, that's what it was. It was... It was like one in five people or something like that have seen something that they can't explain on their Ring doorbell camera. Well, the company is now offering $1 million to any American person who captures something out of this world on their Ring. Uh, the winner must provide unaltered scientific evidence of a real extraterrestrial life form captured by their Ring camera sometime between now and November 3rd at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Apparently, if the aliens come to visit us on November 4th, we don't care. (laughs) It's only if you can prove that they visited you by November 3rd. Footage will be analyzed by a space and extraterrestrial expert. According to the announcement from Ring, with new sightings and further evidence that life forms might exist beyond Earth's atmosphere, there is a possibility that extraterrestrial activity could be happening right outside your front door. If you cannot capture the real thing, the contest also features a category allowing costumes and props. So that's really the uh, that's really the thing there. But <laughs> I just thought it was funny that the there's a deadline associated with this. If uh, extraterrestrials show up on your door, nobody's going to care after November 3rd? I, I think they'll probably care. <laughs> and by the way, if you have a ring doorbell video of extraterrestrial life at your front door, I would imagine you could probably sell that for quite a bit of money regardless of whether or not you win this contest. You know what I mean? Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. You know, this is a seasonal respiratory illness uh, season, right? We were talking about this yesterday on the program again, and I know we've talked about it ad infinitum. Make sure you get out, get your flu shot, COVID boosters 
RSV vaccine, all of that. Uh, Well, California researchers have designed a new vaccine that could protect against eight infections with just one shot, including MRSA, MRSA, the uh, super virus, the super bug. The super vaccine, they call it, puts immune cells into an incredible Hulk mode, it says, for up to 28 days. Dr. Brad Spellberg says it is an early warning system. It's like Homeland Security putting out a terror alert, but within your body and the uh, defenses that you have against these uh, bugs. You're alerting your body's soldiers and tanks uh, in your immune system. The vaccine could help patients who need to stay in the hospital, especially those in the intensive care unit, from contracting infections during their stay, which is a big problem, especially with uh, MRSA. If you remember years ago when MRSA was going around, that was the concern. People were picking it up in the uh, hospital, these superbugs. Researchers now preparing for human trials of this vaccine. So it's not uh, out there on the market yet, but it is, uh, it is good news. This is kind of a crazy story, and uh, I really like this. Renovation at Britain's oldest working theater last month uncovered what is believed to be the only surviving stage on which William Shakespeare performed. How about that? At St. George's Guildhall in East England, timber floorboards were found during the work going on beneath the floor of the theater's current auditorium. The boards, believed to be the original stage in the hall, were dated to the late 16th century. Or let's try that again. Were dated to between, uh, to the late fifth, uh, to the uh, 15th century, uh, between 1417 and 1430, meaning that they would have been in place when the acting company, the Earl of Pembroke's Men, is recorded to have performed in the theater. Uh, Shakespeare is thought to have acted with that theater group. Uh, According to Tim Fitzhiggum, the creative director of the Guildhall, we have the account book from 1592 to 1593, which records that they paid Shakespeare's company to come and perform in the venue. So if the timbers are indeed part of the original stage that was there at that time, then it is the oldest surviving stage, the only surviving stage on the earth on which William Shakespeare himself performed. How about that? How about that? I just thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if it you know, makes any difference in your life in any way, but it's interesting nonetheless. So, so, uh, this is good news. If you haven't heard this uh, yesterday, uh, the McRib is back again. And you're thinking, wait a minute, didn't they do a farewell McRib farewell tour last year? McDonald's saying it would never be back again. Yes, they did. And yes, it is back again. (laughs) Uh, McDonald's has decided to resurrect the iconic sandwich, albeit for a limited time. Um, but here's uh, and and McDonald's statement on in a uh, recent press release 
Quote, it turns out not everyone was ready to bid adieu to the McRib after last year's farewell tour. Unquote. Now, here's the catch. The McRib will not be available nationwide. It'll only be in select stores. Uh, So only a few uh, lucky fans will, will find the elusive sandwich at their local McDonald's restaurants through the month of November. So it is not everywhere. I don't know where it will be and where it will not be. The story does not say. I don't know if they've even announced that where it will be and where it will not be, but the McRib is back. So, and this is kind of interesting as we head uh, into the weekend. This is something to think about. If you are going out on a date, uh, maybe hanging out with friends, or maybe you've met someone online on one of those dating apps, you're having a, a first date, something to consider. Couples who meet on dating apps tend to be unhappier in their marriages. This is a study out of Arizona State University. Of the 900-plus couples in the study, 49.3% met online, and the rest met through work or uh, in college, in a bar or a club, you know, the traditional ways. All right? Um, And when asked whether they were happy in their marriage, the unhappier couples tended to be those who met via a dating app. While the reason remains unclear, scientists speculate that the decrease in satisfaction might be due in part to the stigma of meeting online. Couples who meet online are also more likely to suffer higher degrees of marginalization. For example, uh, members of the LGBTQ community generally meet more often online. Uh, interracial couples tend to be uh, tend to meet more online, and those also are kind of in that marginal marginalized uh, community, which uh, can create tension in a relationship. So, they there's the theory that that is one of the reasons. But anyway, the reason I bring it up if you're going on a date with somebody that you just met, first date, blind date, whatever. If you have met online, just beware, they may not be Marion material. So, I'm just saying. There you go. Just want you to go in with the right level of expectation, right? There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly cloudy today with a high in the upper 60s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-40s. man was arrested and taken to the Hancock County Jail after a drug task force searched his Finley residence. The Hancock County Metric Drug Task Force and partners executed a narcotic search warrant at a residence on Parkwood Drive at the Riverview Terrace Mobile Home Park on Thursday. The task force says it had fielded complaints about the address. The search of the residence yielded suspected methamphetamine as well as items indicative of drug use and trafficking. A 32-year-old man was arrested and booked to the Hancock County Jail on charges of possession of meth, resisting arrest, having weapons under disability, and obstructing official business. Get more on this case in the story on our website. 
The Hancock County Sheriff's Office says a girl was hit by a car outside Arcadia Local Schools on Wednesday night. Sheriff's Office says a 12-year-old entered State Route 12 and was struck by the car that was traveling eastbound on State Route 12. The girl was taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital with suspected minor injuries. Crash remains under investigation. How Ohio's public school system will be overseen will be tied up in court for at least a few more weeks. A judge extended the restraining order, preventing the state from moving forward with a Republican-backed overhaul of K-12 through education. It stops the transition from the Ohio Department of Education to the new Department of Education and Workforce and the transfer of much of the Board of Education's power to the governor's office. However, Governor Mike DeWine says the new department does now exist because of the law the legislature passed creating it. I'm Yolanda Harris. The Hancock Historical Museum's Historic Homes Tour is this weekend in Findlay. I'm so excited that we have some of the oldest homes in Findlay on the tour. So really a special opportunity to see some of these. I think of them as just time capsules. In fact, the one house, I was completely starstruck, I think is the best word when I went through it, uh, knowing the history that I do. Sarah Sisser is executive director of the Hancock Historical Museum. Get more on their Historic Homes Tour in the story on our website. And don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, the Community Foundation's Fun for All series of free community events continues through the end of the year with no less than a dozen additional events already on the calendar, especially uh, the month of uh, October is very busy. Uh, Community Foundation President CEO Brian Treese is with us uh, once again. And Brian, for the benefit of those, I, I know we've talked about it in the past and this has been going on since January, but for the benefit of those who may be kind of late to the party here, talk a little bit about the idea behind the uh, Fun for All events. Sure. So, you know, last year in 2022, we did the latest round of community conversations which is when we uh, hold events to hear from our community about the things that matter most. And one of those things that we heard was that folks wanted more uh, affordable community activities. Mm -hmm. And we know that for many, affordable means free. Right. So in 2022, we, I'm sorry, in 2023, we launched Fun for All, which are uh, free activities for all ages uh, for residents of Hancock County. And this has really taken on a life of its own. Uh, I mean, what did you expect going in? Well, we weren't quite sure what to expect because um, we know there's a lot to do in Hancock County. Yeah. Uh, so we, we gave it a try and we said, let's see if we can do a couple events, see if people would like it. Uh, we initially thought we'll do some during the winter months and they were far more popular than we ever expected. Yeah. I mean, when you look so far in 23, we've had over 7,000 people participate, not including the fireworks, which we were a sponsor for the fireworks and the kids zone mm-hmm. um, during the day at the fireworks, 7,000 people. So around like 10% of our community has participated so far, um, which really spoke to us that this was something people wanted. So we continued it. Through the rest of 23, as you can see, and as you mentioned, we have a lot of events coming up, and they've been so popular, we decided to continue it 
again in 2024. Well, that was going to be my next get, uh, my next question because uh, if I remember originally, this wasn't necessarily uh, planned to be anything beyond like a, a few months or maybe through the end of the year, but uh, the adding next year going into next year is uh, definitely something that is due to the response of the community. We have been blown away by how many people have participated and really enjoyed the activities. And that's what it's all about. It's about coming together, having fun, and just spending time together doing things that we enjoy. And we are happy to continue this in 2024. Now, obviously, this is facilitated by the uh, Community Foundation, but it would not be possible were it not for the uh, entities that step up to host uh, these events, whether that's, uh, North, again, looking at the uh, list in October, Northwest Ohio Railroad Preservation, uh, 50 North, um, uh You've got you've had things uh, throughout the year at the uh, Children's Museum, at the Marathon Center, uh, at the Cube. So a lot of folks stepping up to help make this happen. This is only possible uh, for because of several partners, including donors, uh, that donors make this work happen. And we are so lucky in our community to have so many amazing nonprofits. You listed quite a few of them. There have been even more. And, and the fun thing is, every time we've called yeah. with an idea, folks have said, yes, let's try it. You know, the partners that you've mentioned, the Parks District, we did free kayaking and paddle boat rentals. Oh, yeah. We did free, free pool days at all of the pools. Um, all across the board, people have said yes, and they've wanted to partner with us and our community and these, these fun and free activities. So, as we mentioned, the month of October is very busy. A lot of uh, Halloween-related stuff uh, beginning next week. You've got uh, the Halloween Express at Northwest Ohio Railroad Preservation, uh, the Pumpkin Train uh, out there as well. You've got a community health fair at 50 North. Uh, later in the month, a murder mystery dinner at 50 North, which sounds uh, an awful lot of fun, sound like an awful lot of fun, uh, a fall craft fair. Uh, there at uh, 50 North at the end of the month. So if folks want to, you're always adding to this and, uh, you know, coming up with new ideas, all of that information is posted on the website, right? Right. Community-foundation.com slash fun. And like you mentioned, we aren't done yet with 23. So, you know, keep your eyes open on our website and our so social media, especially Facebook. Um, we are going to be adding events through the rest of the year, and then we'll start posting events for 24 fairly shortly. We look forward to it. Again, uh, Brian Treese is president and CEO of the Community Foundation as the Fun for All series of co uh, free community events continues through the end of the year and beyond. We have the link up at our webpage as well. And Brian, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, to your health this morning, did you know an estimated 100,000 people in the U.S. have sickle cell disease, and many don't even know it? Rosemary Britz is with us this morning. She is the executive director of the Sickle Cell Association to share her story and help us learn more about this and uh, how folks can uh, decipher their own risk level. First of all, Rosemary, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Talk a little bit about uh, why 
this sub- subject is so important to you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be working in partnership with women in government to bring sickle cell awareness today. And so I gave birth to a child with sickle cell disease. I did not know that I shared the gene, nor did I know to ask my partner at the time, but was informed that my daughter had sickle cell after she started receiving um, complications from it. And I had to take her into the doctor. Hmm. Uh, From there, I just continued to take her to the hematologist to be checked out. Um, In her teen years, she started receiving blood transfusion that helped in treating the pain or helping to keep the pain low. And she was able to function as any other child going to um, college and, and getting master's degree. So she did all the things that a, a young person would do. So it's interesting. You mentioned that the the way you found out is when uh, your child started exhibiting symptoms. What are some of the complications uh, and, and the symptoms and, and so on that are associated with sickle cell disease? So one of the first complications, which is what I saw in my daughter, was her hands and feet swell up. It's something called dactylitis or hand and foot syndrome where the blood cells get stuck in the tiny blood vessels in the baby. And the baby's not able to talk, but you can notice that there's something going on with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what prompted the doctors to um, check her out further. But one of the, the most common complications of sickle cell would be pain episodes. And that's because those blood cells get stuck in the blood vessels. It cuts off the oxygen and blood flow yeah. to anywhere that the bo- body has blood from the head to the toes. And that causes extreme pain. Uh, another complication would be anemia. And that's because those blood cells break down more quickly than your normal healthy red blood cells. So there's all kinds of complications, including strokes that could occur in someone with sickle cell. Yeah. Um, now, an interesting fact about this is that while it can certainly impact uh, anyone of any background, it is more common uh, in certain ethnic groups. Why is that? So, sickle cell was discovered in areas where malaria was highly present. So, in warmer climates, like around the equator, And so Africa being one of those um, locations that Mm. had a greater um, instance of malaria, which meant that more individuals were affected by sickle cell disease. And then over the course of generations, that trait then is uh, handed down genetically. Um, So what are the treatment options? I mean, this is an incurable disease, right? Right. It is an inherited blood condition. So you have it at birth. You don't um, get it later. But the treatments would be um, pain medications to help to uh, lessen the pain that someone experienced, as well as we have about four drugs that are on the market that a doctor could prescribe. Um, as appropriate for each individual patient. Another common treatment would be blood transfusion in order to help infuse the individual with more whole blood cells so that they have less sickle cells in their body. 
And on that point, it's kind of interesting, and this is something that I did not know, uh, with respect to blood transfusions, ideally, they would be ethnically matched blood transfusions. Again, I wasn't aware that there is such a thing as ethnically matched blood. Explain. Yes, so... If something were to happen and you needed a blood transfusion, obviously they would look at your blood type in order to match you. Right. But when you receive blood transfusions on a regular basis, it's important that they look at something called antigens, which are markers that are on the blood cell. And they want to match those up more closely so that you don't build up antibodies to receiving the blood. Hmm. And if they because sickle cell disproportionately affects the African American community, if they were to look at so many bags of blood from um, Caucasian donors, they would find less um, units that can match someone with sickle cell than if they looked at that same amount of blood units from the African American population. So we need more diverse donors donating blood on a regular basis so that there is appropriate blood for the sickle cell population. Yeah, so that's one of the messages that we want to emphasize uh, this morning is the importance of those uh, of everyone to uh, to donate uh, for any number of reasons. Again, we need more uh, African American donors for this reason, uh, as you're uh, citing. And then, of course, the other thing that we want to talk about uh, is you know screenings and and being aware of your risk for sickle cell or passing it along to a child, what types of screenings exist and when should individuals be tested for this? Sure. So currently, every baby is tested at birth across the United States. And so the the parent will be informed whether the child has the gene or meaning that they have sickle cell traits or if they actually have the disease. There is a test, or the best test to get, would be the hemoglobin electrophoresis that would tell someone whether they carry this gene. So if your parent did not pass this information on, letting you know, hey, you were born with this gene, then it is important that you would get tested as well as test your partner before you begin to grow your family. I And I would imagine that in many cases, uh, people aren't told. I mean, you know, if your parent, if you didn't actually have it, if you were just a carrier, but you didn't actually have it, that, that would probably be something that would uh, probably slip the mind of, uh, of a parent to pass that information on. So testing and, and screening, very, very important. By the way, uh, we mentioned this in the context of African-American, uh, the, the likelihood of African-Americans to, uh, uh, to have this, but uh, Latinos, the second most common incidence of sickle cell disease uh, in the country as well. So again, reinforcing the, oper- uh, the uh, importance of uh, donating blood for uh, everyone, particularly minorities, as it relates to this. Again, uh, Rosemary Britz is executive director of the Sickle Cell Association. You have a lot more information on your website, right? Yes, you can go to womeningovernment.org to find more information. And again, I'm, I'm glad to be partnering with the women in government to bring you this sickle cell awareness today. 
Very, very important information to your health this morning. Rosemary, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. Week 8 of the regular season sees a game that may well decide a champion in the Blanchard Valley Conference. Liberty Benton visits Pandora Gilboa tonight in a battle of the lone remaining unbeatens in the league. LB boasts the top defense in the BBC along with the number two offense. PG is the number three offense and is second on D in the league. Rocket coach Matt Hershey has his men ready for this marquee game of the season. Our kids deserve this. They've they've busted their butts. They, they've fought and they've earned the right to be in a game like this. And you, you get a, a perennial power and, and Liberty Benton coming to town. The winner is in sole first place of the BBC. You know, this is a big-time game, and, you know, our, our kids deserve to play in this. You can hear that game tonight, starting with pregame at 6.35 on 100.5 WKXA. Also in the BBC, it's Elmwood at Macomb and Riverdale at Arlington, while non-conference meetings include Fort Laramie at Van Buren and Van Lu visiting Arcadia. Finley looks to bounce back from a close loss to Anthony Wayne last week when the Trojans make a trip to Perrysburg. Both teams are 1-1 one one in the Buckeye division of the Northern Lakes League. The Yellow Jackets are 6-1 overall, Finley 5-2. Trojan coach Stephen Adams. We play really well on defense ourselves all year long. I think our guys are up for the task. I think we have some primetime players at each level, uh, guys that are ready to compete and battle for four quarters. I think just when we give given the opportunity in a crunch time situation to make the tackle, we're going to make that tackle this week, I can tell you that. The game will air on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM with pregame at 6.30. Also in the NLL, it's Sylvania Southview at Ross. Clay makes the trip to Napoleon. Springfield is on the road at Anthony Wayne. Whitmer makes the quick trip to Northview. And BG hosts non-conference opponent Woodward. Ottawa Glandorf makes a visit to Salina tonight. The Titans and Bulldogs coverage begins at 6.30 on 106.3 The Fox. Also on the slate in the Western Buckeye are St. Mary's at Kenton, Elida heading south to meet Wapak, Bath goes to Defiance, and Shawnee hosts Van Wert. In the Northern 10, it's Upper Sandusky at Buckeye Central, Bucyrus in Cary to meet the Blue Devils, Winford goes to Colonel Crawford, and Seneca East is in Sycamore to take on Mohawk. In the Northwest Conference, undefeated Bluffton hosts once-beaten Lipsick, Crestview is at Columbus Grove, Allen East visits Delphus Jefferson, and Ada is on the road with Spencerville. Corey Rawson welcomes Ridgedale to Spikeberry Field in the Northwest Central Conference. Ridgemont is on the new field in North Baltimore. Harden Northern takes U.S. 30 east to Crestline. Elgin visits Upper Scioto Valley, and Perry takes the short bus ride to meet Waynesfield Goshen. Other area games of note include AP 5th-ranked Patrick Henry hosting Delta in the NWOAL, number 3 Hopewell Loudon getting a visit from Fremont St. Joseph, and number 9 Calvert at Woodmore in the Sandusky Bay Conference, and Faustoria hosts Lake in Northern Buckeye League play. Again, our broadcast games on the Blanchard River broadcast stations are Liberty Benton at Pandora Gilboa at 635 on WKXA, Findlay at Perrysburg on WFIN, and OG in Salina on 106.3 The Fox. Those games starting with pregame at 6.30. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, the WFIN Sports. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. It's actually uh, kind of a light day in the uh, broken news. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, We do have a handful of items here in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
drive through customer at the local Taco Bell was a little disgruntled, a little steamed, but he because he would seemed because he had received uh, incorrect change when he went through the drive through. How many that's happened to everybody, right? Uh, that the, you get incorrect change. Uh, it's just one of those things that happens. So uh, this gentleman, uh, Dahl McClendon. Uh, is uh, his name, uh, did what I think any reasonable person would do in that uh, kind of situation. He shot the employee. (laughs) Mr. McClendon uh, reportedly came inside the store to confront the worker. Uh, He pulled out a a gun and actually shot the worker. That's over incorrect change at Taco Bell. How much could that possibly involve? How much money could that possibly involve? I mean, unless he was buying... You know, 10,000 tacos. I mean, it's <laughs> can't be that much money. Uh, he has been charged with uh, attempted murder. The employee taken to a, a local hospital, and apparently the employee is going to recover, hence the charge of attempted uh, murder. So, <laughs> what any reasonable person would do in that situation, I think we can all relate. Sure. Uh, got a couple of... Um, Animal stories uh, in the news. An escaped monkey in Indianapolis has been found, but not before he uh, went out for drinks. Um, Momo the monkey escaped from his home on Wednesday and was spotted in a nearby uh, neighborhood. Momo is a patas monkey. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, One of the fastest in the world, uh, which is probably why he was so hard to catch once he had escaped. Uh, Momo... Uh, by the way, uh, the city of Indianapolis allows for ownership of exotic pets as long as they are registered. And Momo is. Uh, this is his second known escape. In this case, he uh, was spotted in a nearby neighborhood treating himself to some garbage. And uh, according to one neighbor, drinking a discarded beer. So <laughs> he had himself a little party there. Momo is back. Where oh by the way speaking of um, uh, speaking of animals uh, getting away uh, tank the tortoise has been uh, has been located where did I see this uh, story um, you may remember the uh, story of tank the tortoise um, uh, he apparently in in Pennsylvania he apparently escaped again and he has been found again the hardened escape artist sometimes known as Houdini has been returned to his Pennsylvania home after escaping a week ago. Tank has run away three times, always seems to head to the same spot. Uh, Tank belongs to Mike Nelson, who happens to be an area veterinarian. And and Mr. Nelson says he will, or Dr. Nelson, I guess, says uh, henceforth he will outfit Tank with a GPS tracker. So, so if he makes makes a break for it again, he'll be able to to track him that's probably a good idea you would think that maybe they would have done that the last time out um but (laughs) that's amazing that he's escaped like three times because they don't generally move all that fast um this is kind of weird again another animal story customs officials at minneapolis st paul international airport say that they seized a giant sized box of giraffe feces at customs, a g- giant box of giraffe droppings. A woman from Iowa tried to declare the item after returning from a trip to Africa last Friday. 
according to a news release from uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. She allegedly told workers that she planned to turn the giraffe droppings into jewelry. <laughs> turn it into jewelry, okay? Um, they say it is not illegal to bring this particular item into the U.S., but those who do so need a veterinary services permit. She did not have one, so customs destroyed the items. So no giraffe feces necklaces for you. Sorry. Darn, I was really looking forward to you know, the giraffe feces necklace. <laughs> uh, let's see here. You're familiar with uh, OnlyFans, the um, amateur adult website. In case you're not familiar with what OnlyFans is, it is a platform, and it wasn't actually necessarily designed to be pornographic per se. Uh, it was just designed to be a platform where content creators could put their videos and photos and so on, and fans could subscribe to that content, and people could earn money from content creation. But it didn't take long before it kind of morphed into an amateur porn site. People um, signing up for OnlyFans and then posting explicit photos and videos. Um, and people of all walks of life apparently have been doing this. Uh, case in point, um, and I'm not sure exactly where this is. Uh, Minneapolis. There it is. It says Minneapolis. A man who was pulled over by a cop in Minneapolis claimed that he is a subscriber to the officer's OnlyFans account. The police officer, the cop, has an OnlyFans account made for a rather awkward situation. Uh, the guy says, you can't arrest me. I've seen your private parts. <laughs> he said he had been a subscriber for five months. The unnamed officer reportedly shows adult photos and videos for a fee on OnlyFans. The police department is now investigating whether or not the officer is in breach of the employer's code of conduct by having a side hustle on OnlyFans. The mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, says, while ultimately it will be decision the decision of the police chief, he personally has no issue with the officer having photos uh, because they are behind a paywall. They're not there for everybody to see. You have to actually uh, subscribe, and he's fine with it. <laughs> but the uh, police uh, captain, uh, the police uh, chief police will decide. So we'll see. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, leave you with a, a good story here, a heartwarming story. Uh, railway employees in Israel have restored a traveler's faith in humanity by returning a misplaced wallet containing a substantial amount of money. The wallet was packed with $10,000 worth of U.S. and European currency, but was left behind by the passenger during a journey from uh, the airport to Tel Aviv's Savador Central Station. So from the airport to the train station. Uh, realizing his loss, the passenger promptly notified the shift manager at the station, Manny Natani, who initiated... A concerted effort to recover the wallet, staff digilent, uh, digi diligently, I'll spit it out, staff diligently scoured the premises, but the elusive item remained elusive until 12 hours later 
when a worker aiding a disabled passenger made a fortunate discovery. Came upon the uh, wallet, the missing wallet, with all of the cash, was joyfully reunited with its relieved owner, reminding us all that integrity and kindness continue to shine even in the most unexpected moments. That is awesome. None of the uh, none of the stuff was missing. It's all there. That is awesome. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When the rumors are flying, getting the facts matters more than ever. At WFIN, we're your trusted source and will always present the story only after verifying the information with trusted sources. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek, trusting us to present just the facts when covering events impacting Finley and Hancock County. You can depend on us to get the story right every time on social media, 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and at 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It strikes me, I I seem to recall that we had uh, some of this information uh, back a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this survey of uh, of Americans' favorite horror movie antagonists, the horror movie villains. Um, Just in time for Halloween, it's a poll of 2,000 Americans. Uh, finds that the nightmare-jumping maniac Freddy Krueger is number one on the list of the most iconic horror film antagonists in history. Freddy Krueger is at the top of the list, slaying the rest of the competition as it were. 54% of those polled picked Freddy Krueger as their number one most iconic horror film villain. Uh, other spooky icons from the scary movies, Chucky from the uh, Child's Play movie, Chucky the Doll, 39%. Ghostface, uh, that's from Scream, right? Ghostface is uh, 34%. Jack Torrance, 31%. Is that, uh, is that the uh, Shining, Jack Torrance? Um, 31%. I'm not a big horror movie aficionado. I've seen a number of them. I've seen The Shining. I've seen uh, some of the Friday the 13th movies, but I never really got into scary films. I know a lot of people do, but I am not a big one. So I don't recognize, I've never seen the Scream films. I've never seen Child's Play. I've actually never seen uh, any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but everybody knows Freddy Krueger and Chucky and Ghostface. Jack Torrance, 31%. Uh, let's see here. This is kind of interesting, though. Even though Freddy Krueger is the number one most iconic film villain, Nightmare on Elm Street is not the most iconic horror movie. That title belongs to Friday the uh, Friday the 13th with 41% of the vote, followed by Carrie. Oh, yeah, Carrie. Now, that's a, that was scary. Uh, 35%. The original, I think they uh, remade Carrie. A few years ago, right? And I don't think that counts. We got to go back to the original Carrie. 35% as the most iconic horror film. An American Werewolf in London. An American Werewolf in London, that is to say. Uh, picked up 33% of the vote. And they also, for the benefit of those who like to partake in Halloween but emphasize 
the fun rather than the scary part. The most iconic family-friendly films, according to the survey, Coraline uh, with 40% of the vote, Casper with 37%, and Ghostbusters with 37% of the vote as well. And yeah, Ghostbusters, great stuff. So there you go. Uh, Again, as you're heading into the weekend, maybe some of the uh, movies that you might want to uh, take in if you're looking for a scare or just looking for some fun with your family. And now, once again, to finish up the week, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of easy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. You remember last week we mentioned that we we're going to do kind of an around the world series. Yep. We did what Mexican last week, yep. and uh, today we have a collection of easy Italian recipes. Yes. So, some really good stuff here, and uh, this first one is particularly good. We had this the other night, and it was yummy. Yeah. It is a sheet. Pan lasagna. Yes, so it makes the noodles so they're nice and crunchy. So, <laughs> so this is eight ounce uh, lasagna noodles, and you want to break those up into pieces: a half a pound of ground beef, quarter pound of Italian sausage, half a cup of diced onion, one tablespoon minced garlic, twelve ounces of pasta sauce, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning. Salt and pepper to taste, one cup of cottage cheese, two cups of shredded mozzarella cheese divided, and one teaspoon of dried basil. So bring a large pot of water to a boil, add in the pieces of lasagna noodles, and cook those for about 10 minutes. I uh, don't want to go over that uh, because you still want those. You're still going to be baking it also. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to overcook them. Yes. So strain and transfer into a mixing bowl and set aside. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Then in a large skillet, um, cook the ground beef, sausage, onion, garlic, over medium heat until browned. Uh, drain off any excess fat and return to the pan. Then add your pasta sauce, your Italian seasoning, and your salt and pepper. Bring that to a simmer and let that simmer for about 10 minutes. Uh, while that's simmering in a separate bowl, mix one cup of cottage cheese, one cup of mozzarella cheese, and your basil. Once the sauce is done, pour that into the bowl with the prepared pasta and mix that all together. Then spread it onto, um, then spread, then stir in one cup of mozzarella cheese. Lightly spray a nine by thirteen inch sheet pan with nonstick cooking spray. Then pour the lasagna into your baking sheet and spread it out evenly. Um, it's going to be it's going to be thin, and that's fine. You want it to. That's what you want. It's mm-hmm. just a. Um, Sheet pan, thin sheet pan lasagna. Yeah. Then dollop the cottage cheese mixture all over the top of the lasagna. Bake for 35 to 40 minutes or until the cheese is golden brown and bubbly. Let the lasagna cool for about 10 minutes. Then uh, slice it up and serve. It is very good. It the is. sheet pan lasagna. To go along with that, we have focaccia bread in the slow cooker. Yes. Interesting. I know. So this is 12 uh, Rhodes brand uh, frozen rolls, a half a cup of extra extra virgin olive oil divided and a quarter teaspoon of sea salt. So cut a piece of parchment paper, put it in the bottom of your slow cooker. Um, I use the oval one um, that it, it just seems to, when you think of focaccia bread, you think, you know, kind of a, the smaller mm-hmm. uh, oval type. So okay. uh, cover the slow cooker with a towel and, um, 
So then you're going to add your frozen rolls, cover the slow cooker with a towel, let the rolls rise for three to four hours. So your slow cooker is doing all the work for you. When the rolls have doubled in size, drizzle over some more of the olive oil. Then with uh, clean hands, poke, um, poke the rolls with your with the uh, top of your fingers just poke okay. poke poke and then, then cook on high for one and a half hours and remove from the cro- crock pot and enjoy really easy yes. for the uh, focaccia bread in yes. the slow cooker who yes. knew pretty cool stuff I know for dessert we have a cannoli dip yes so six uh, 16 ounces of ricotta cheese 8 ounces of cream cheese one and a half cups of powdered sugar one teaspoon vanilla extract a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon and one cup of mini chocolate chips so then in a medium bowl uh, mixing bowl combine your ricotta your cream cheese your powdered sugar your vanilla extract and your cinnamon uh, use a hand mixer to mix until smooth and creamy or if you have your electric mixer your stand mixer you could use that also um, just making sure it's nice and smooth and, and creamy then um Fold in your chocolate chips. Um, don't you put that with the mixer. Just fold that in because that will okay. break up your chocolate chips. Right. Uh, then refrigerate um, or serve immediately. I refrigerated mine just to solid, to get it to set. Yeah, yeah. Solid it up a little bit mm-hmm. and, and then serve it immediately with some cookies, crackers, pretzels, or a uh, broken up uh, waffle cones or whatever. Yeah. So these Good are. Stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yes. The uh, cannoli dip. Leave yes. the gun, take the cannoli dip. Okay. Um, little godfather there. <laughs> the easy Italian recipes, and they yes. are easy. Uh, sheet pan lasagna, the yep. slow cooker focaccia bread, and the cannoli dip. Those recipes are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, yes. right? Yep, okay. they're so on there. Go to at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Like that page for each week's recipes. We also have it linked up at goodmornings.net so you can find those recipes there. Yes. And of course, if you have a recipe, favorite recipe that you'd like to share, you can do that. Uh, on the Facebook page, you can email us goodmornings at wfin.com. You can yep. also make a request if there's something you want uh, that, that you're looking for, yes. something you want. Um, what is next week? Are we doing another uh, around the world? I'm going to do Greek next week. Oh, I think Greek. Yes. Interesting. Yes. So Again, we'll see. Uh, yeah. If the you key have is easy. Ideas, yes. The easy. And, right. And Greek, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm not a cook, but. Yeah. I think Greek is not necessarily yeah. easy. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. So, so a little preview there for you. Do you have any ideas? Please let me know. Reach out. <laughs> yes. At Kyra's Kitchen, WFIN on Facebook. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.